So, in fact, my parents uh, got married at St. Francis, uh, Assisi. That was a long time ago. I think it was 53. 65 years ago, yeah. Hey, uh, I got a call last night from Brian. Said, just in case uh, Janine and I get sick, uh, you might have something prepared. And this morning, got a text from Janine on their way here. Uh, Brian, they had to pull over so that Brian could uh, uh, leave something alongside the curb. Uh, so anyway, hey, you know what? I have preached more this last month than I have all year. And uh, so uh, it's been fun for me. Hey, uh, we're going to talk about leadership this morning. And I was wondering if this is a Sunday morning message. Uh, but it is for Crestwood. So, uh, but let me just start with Matthew chapter 4. Uh, it says, uh, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When Jesus calls us, he calls us to he calls us to become someone other than, than who we were. And when Jesus called the disciples, he said, I'm going to make you into something that you weren't before I called you. And so whenever Jesus calls us, it's always, it's always outside of our comfort zone. He calls us to a life that, that would be, that's totally different than, than the life we would lead uh, before he called us. I remember uh, when I was 30, when I, the first year, when I was uh, serving as a senior pastor, I was just really struggling, uh, not that I've quit, but, but uh, just really struggling, like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And I remember just every day just crying out, Jesus, what am I supposed to do? And, and I heard the Lord speak to me as clear as I'm speaking you, to you. He said, follow me. Then my, my next question, God, what is the church supposed to do? And his response was, dare to follow me too. So my job became really simple at that point. I'm just going to follow Jesus the best that I can. And I'm going to call people to follow Jesus the best that they can. So as, as, a, as a parent, my job was to, was to uh, uh, kind of shape my kids in such a way that they would follow Jesus. Are they all following Jesus? Some of them are, <laughs> and some of them aren't. Uh, so my job as a, as a pastor at the end of the day was, did the people follow Jesus? And I'll have to answer the same way. Some of them did, and some of them didn't. But at the end of the day, that is our job, is to hear the Lord and to follow, and to follow him. In, uh, uh, one of the things that, that, that uh, the Bible gives us, especially in the New Testament, and you see this uh, in Paul's writing to Timothy. You see it as he's writing uh, Titus. He, he provides a shopping list, so to speak, for, for leaders. As he sends Titus, as he sends Timothy into these communities, he, he gives them a list of things to look for uh, when it comes to uh, identifying leaders. And if we want to throw that first scripture up, 1 Timothy 3.1, Paul says this to, to, to Timothy. He says, here is a trustworthy saying Whoever aspires to be an overseer 
desires a noble task. And so as you, and as you continue reading what Paul says here, as well as you read what he says in Titus and then in Acts, as it kind of lays out uh, the qualifications for, uh, for, for leaders there in the early church, you know, all the shopping lists that, that are provided, uh, they include uh, observable character traits and proven ministry skills that are rooted in Christian community. So when, when Paul uh, instructs us to, to look for leaders, he says, look for people who are, are faithful to their spouses. Look to, for people that, that are, are in control of themselves. Look for people that are worthy of respect. Look for people that are hospitable. Look for people who are able to teach others. Uh, you know, even though people may be gifted, don't look at recent converts. They need to have a history uh, with God. And, and so Paul, as he, as he uh, instructs us to, to look for leaders, one of the things he says about Christian leadership is that it's work. He said, whoever wants to do this, know that they des are desiring a noble task. The word task <laughs> means work. And so uh, with Christian leadership, it's always a function first, and it's a title second. Elders eld before they get the position or the title elder. Deacons deke first, and then they get the title deacon. Uh, you know, worship lead, I remember uh, a number of years ago, I was in, uh, I was in Zurich, and, and I was with my friend Richard Clinton, and uh, you know, during the worship time and all that, uh, Richard kind of turned to me. He said, there, there's a real anointing on this, on this guy to lead worship. You know, and he said, how do you think I know that? So I looked at him really close to see if I could see a glow or something <laughs> on him. And, and I was just looking and, and just saying, okay, what, is, what does Richard see? And then so Richard let me look for about 30 seconds. He tapped me on the shoulder again. And he said, look behind you. People are worshiping. <laughs> That's how, you know, that means that person's more than a singer. They're a worship leader. They're, they're functioning. And so the way that we, uh, we look at leadership, we have a very functional approach to leadership. And so, uh, and I really, I think I really got this from uh, Bobby Clinton uh, at a, uh, uh, who used to teach leadership development at Fuller, uh, he had a, uh, a week-long uh, uh, workshop that he did on leadership development back in the 90s. And, 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 and I walked away with this, this definition for leadership. And this is the leadership, this is how we approach leadership. This is the way that we define it. Uh, so this is our definition of a Christian leader. He is a he or she is a person with God-given capacity and God-given responsibility who's influencing a specific group of God's people towards God's purposes for the group. And I'm just going to unpack that a little bit this morning. First of all, uh, a leader is a person. And that person uh, here at Crestwood can be either male or female. And we believe that this is the biblical position. You can argue biblically for or against women in senior leadership, but we believe that the, the biblical evidence is for women 
in senior leadership. We believe that God is seeking to empower as many people who are willing with all of his gifts and all of his callings, including leadership. So here at Crestwood, we encourage, we train, and we empower both men and women in all areas of leadership. Jesus said that, you know, there in Acts, God will pour out his spirit in the last days on both men and women. And he, as God pours out his spirit, he pours out teaching gifts, prophetic gifts, leadership gifts, pastoring gifts, And in 1 Corinthians 12, as Paul is writing about spiritual gifts, he says that God decides how he wants to distribute his spiritual gifts. So we believe uh, that, first of all, a Christian leader is a person with God-given capacity. And when we talk about God-given capacity, there's uh, two primary things we're looking at. We're looking at giftedness, and we're we're looking at their, their personhood. Uh, speaking of giftedness, there's, uh, we kind of break that down into three parts. Their natural abilities, their acquired skills, and their spiritual gifts. Now, all three of these areas can be developed. First of all, our natural abilities, and at the end of the day, our natural abilities are God-given. So we can call them natural abilities or natural talents, but they were given to us by God. So, uh, and that includes your intelligence, how you think, how you process things, uh, you know, determine if you're a singer or not. You know, I mean, so we, we look at a person's natural abilities. Secondly, uh, their acquired skills. And these acquired skills can either be very formally trained or in, they can come to us in a very informal manner. Uh, they can come through life, you know, if uh, there's a certain kind of street smarts, you know, that you get by regard, you know, depending on your, uh, just your upbringing. Uh, acquired skills also include uh, ministry skills. You know, again, Jesus said to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to do something you didn't know before. And, and, and thirdly is spiritual gifts. We are all natural men and women learning how to do supernatural ministry. Jesus took natural men and taught them how to do supernatural ministry. We believe that's the pattern that Jesus used, and that's the pattern that we continue to use as well. Uh, And Wimber was really the first person I ever met that that really showed that supernatural ministry can uh, can be learned. And he used to say, you know, after he teaches the five-step prayer model, don't call me until you pray for 100 people. Wow. In other words, just keep on doing it, keep on practicing it, and the more you do it, the better at it that you will get. So we're looking at giftedness. But secondly, we're looking at a pers- uh, what we call personhood, and that includes your character and your unique personality. First of all, our character. All, you know, our giftedness may get us there, but our character keeps us there. And sometimes a church community has to protect gifted but broken emerging leaders. And, and it's been my experience, been in this thing for a long time, that some, some of the most gifted people can be some of the, the most broken people. And the church is, is guilty too many times of taking gifted, gifted people and elevating them too quickly. So I, I really think that we have a responsibility to protect gifted but broken emerging leaders. 
Uh, that's why community and relationships are so important. Character is formed. Ministry skills are learned. It's easier to teach a person ministry skills than it is to change their character. Uh, and when we, spout, when we talk about character, we're talking about doing business with God, with your own personal life. And, you know, taking, uh, you know, just as the Holy Spirit convicts us, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us about our inner life, really taking that seriously, that secret part of us that nobody sees. You know, most of the leaders that I started out with are, have, have flamed out. And either if failure didn't kill them, success did. And success, uh, character and a character that's formed enables us to, to survive both failure as well as success. And believe me, both will come our way. Uh, so give me a person with godly character and I can teach them ministry skills. Give me a person with poor character and it won't matter how skilled they are. Uh, and in the early phases of a leader's development, character formation is the focus of God's shaping activity. So early on, the uh, first 10 years or so, <laughs> it's not that it ever quits, but it's really about your character. It's about who you are when nobody sees you. It's your inner life. Secondly, when we talk about personhood, uh, our God-given capacity, we're, we're speaking of your unique personality, how you're wired. And, and I love this part because that means ministry will always look different depending on who it's flowing through. So two people can be called to the same thing, but it will look different. God isn't making clones. So God uses our unique personality. Some of this we're born with. You know, having six kids, uh, they're born different. You know, some, some of my kids, they could be soaking wet, and they, we wouldn't hear, hear a peep out of them. You know, we'd have to check to see if their diapers are wet. Others, a two-degree change in the, in the room temperature, <laughs> and, and they're, they're fussing, you know what I mean? And they're just, they're just wired different. So some of that we're born with, some of that is shaped by our environment, and our, uh, our environment shapes who we are, but it doesn't define who we are. And so regardless of your environment, that does, that's not the ultimate definition of who you are. Uh, it'll shape you, but it doesn't define you. So when we talk about your unique personality, we're not talking about being an extrovert or an introvert. You know, that God only uses extroverts and doesn't use introverts. Uh, he will use whoever you are. And personality, your personality can determine what kind of leader you are and how God will use you. Some of us are catalytic. Some of us are pioneers. Some of us have a lot of personal charisma. Others are managers, administrators. Uh, but God uses our, uh, our unique personality. So it's, it's a person with God-given capacity and God-given responsibility. Leaders carry a sense of responsibility. And there are like two directions uh, that, that are tied to this responsibility. First of all, there's a burden that comes from God to influence others. Uh, it's something you can't explain. It's just something that you carry, this sense of responsibility uh, to care for others, to influence others for God but also a sense of accountability towards God 
about the results of your influence. So there's a burden from God and accountability to God for the results. And also with this sense of responsibility, uh, there is a calling. And this calling can be dramatic or it can be gradual. You know, in Isaiah 6, uh, there's an example of a, of a dramatic calling when, when Isaiah heard the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah immediately responded, here, here I am, send me, I'll go. But you look at Moses uh, in Exodus 2, you see him beginning to develop a burden for the Israelites. And so there's a sense of something beginning to grow in him. And then uh, in, in chapter 3 of Exodus, that, that, that gradual calling becomes something very dramatic where you know, the Lord speaks to him from, uh, from the burning bush. So uh, callings doesn't come the same way for all of us. Uh, for some of us, it's, it's a gradual thing that develops in us over time. Others, we can mark the calendar and say, that day, that event, the Lord spoke to me. We are, account we are held accountable to God for our leadership. We have a responsibility to God and a responsibility from God. So it's God-given responsibility who is influencing. The primary way we lead is through influencing. We're not a cult. <laughs> you can't make people do what you want them to do. Neither are we called to make people do stuff. We are called to follow Jesus and to call them to follow Jesus as well. And, and uh, initially we may lead through a position or a title. Uh, we can lead, lead through our giftedness where you see somebody gifted in an area that you're not. Uh, and by giftedness, again, we're talking about ability, skills, spiritual gifts. But later in life, and where God is taking all of us, is that we lead, we influence through what Clinton would call spiritual authority. And what spiritual authority is, a lifetime of faithfulness and sacrifice. It's, it's a history with God that's more than years, but it's, it's decades. And it's out of a sense of who you are as a disciple that, 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 that you have influence. And you don't need title uh, because people just know that, okay, this person, they know God. They walked with God. I think one of the, the, the first people that really influenced me in my Christian walk was, was my mother-in-law. I mean, she had a deep, deep history with God. And she taught me about prayer. She taught me about faith. Uh, she just taught me how to press in and, and to hear the Lord. And, and she, uh, it was out of a, a sense of spiritual authority of who she had become in Christ. So we're called to influence a specific group of God's people, underline God's people. <laughs> the church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to the pastor. It doesn't belong to the elders. Uh, it belongs to Jesus. And let me just say, our families belong to Jesus as well. You know, my goal, and you know, my, God didn't say, okay, I want you to make great bellows. You know, uh, he wanted me to make great disciples of Jesus. You know, my children are to grow up not to somehow, you know, you know we're, we're not trying to continue a family legacy. It's never about that. So whether my kids have my last name or not, it's no big deal. 
As long as they know Jesus. As long as they're following Jesus, that's what counts. So we are called, it, it's, it's, we're, we're called to, to, to lead, to influence a specific group of God's people, which means you're not everyone's leader. So when I, you know, get out and call my kids to supper, it doesn't mean the whole neighborhood shows up. Now, sometimes it did, but uh, I'm just responsible for those six kids that were mine. And in the same way it goes for church, uh, you know, we're, we're, Crest, we're called to influence the people that, that are here. We're not, we're not called to tell another church how to do their business. You know, they're responsible for, for what God's called them to do. Uh, for us, it's about following Jesus. It's about learning to be a disciple of Jesus, about doing the stuff that he did. And so you're, we're called to influence a specific group of people towards God's purposes for the group. This is one of the things that sets Christian leadership apart from secular leaders. Christian leaders are required to get vision from God. This will always require moving people out of their comfort zone. Getting vision from God is one of the primary responsibilities of a Christian leader. And the purpose, God's purposes for Crestwood Vineyard includes ministering to this immediate community, ministering to our city, and going into the nations. You know, there are a lot of groups doing and promoting supernatural ministry, but not many of those are rooted in a neighborhood church. And that was one of the callings, I believe, that God had for us, is whatever we do out there, we do here first. And so we're not taking something on the road that we, we, haven't, we haven't walked out ourselves as a community so God's purpose for Crestwood includes equipping people to do the stuff that Jesus did, to be a disciple of Jesus, to make disciples of Jesus. And I don't believe this is a vineyard thing. I think it's a Bible thing. Amen. You know, and again, at the end of the day, it's, it's at least with me and Jesus, did you follow Jesus? Did you follow me? And did the people that you influence, did they follow me as well? Some of them did. <laughs> Some of them did it, but you know I me. Mean? But I, I did what I, I knew how to do. Hey, why don't we go ahead and have a worship team come back up, and uh, we're going to uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, end in worship. And let me just say that uh, during worship, uh, there was a real outpouring of God's Holy Spirit on us, and I don't think my message chased the Holy Spirit away. I think he's more than capable of surviving a message by me. Uh, and also, I think one of the things that, uh, that God wants to do is that if you're here and, uh, and, and you're sick, uh, let's just go ahead and, and press into Jesus and ask for his healing. Uh, you know, uh, Travis mentioned to me during worship that at the beginning of the service, just tremendous amount of pain in his gut. But during worship, something happened. And, and the Lord healed him and, and took away excruciating pain. And there's a sense that we feel that God wants to do that, not just for him, but for a lot of us. So let's stand. And if you're a parent with children, congratulations. <laughs> that is totally awesome. Uh, but if you could go get them now and bring them back in, that would even be more awesome. Um, 
So Holy Spirit, we thank you for this new year. We thank you for just, just pouring out your presence on us this morning. And Jesus, uh, you said, all who are sick, all who are weary, all who are thirsty, come to me. So Jesus, we come to you this morning. We come to you with our need. We come to you with our pain. We come to you with our sickness. We come to you with our questions. We just ask that you would meet us now with your presence. Why don't the ministry team come on up?